Fracking. It's an ugly name for what some think is an ugly process. Drilling into the earth and injecting liquid at high pressure to release valuable gas inside rocks. Critics say it's bad for the environment, unpopular with the public and unnecessary at a time when we should be scaling back on our use of fossil fuels. As you can see behind me, people are lining Preston New Road. They're from all corners of the country and have joined for a national rally against fracking. Supporters, including our own government, say it will create thousands of new jobs, give the country greater energy security and ultimately bring down our bills. But there are large and uninhabited and desolate areas, certainly up in the part of the northeast, where there's plenty of room for fracking. Without... <laughs> So, is fracking a necessary economic boost for the country or an environmental disaster we should avoid at all costs? And with effective bans in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, will England follow? Those questions and more on this week's Weekly Economics Podcast. I'm Aisha Thomas-Smith. Stay with us. So to help us talk all things fracking, we're welcoming back Dave Powell, who leads work on the environment at the New Economics Foundation. Hello, Dave. Hello, Ayesha. How are you? I'm all right. I'm how, good. how are you? Yeah. I didn't ask you how you were. No, I'm, I've asked <laughs> you how you are now. I'm good. good. I'm good. Yeah, good. yeah, no, right. very good. Uh, and we're also joined by Hannah Wheatley. Hannah Wheatley, a researcher <laughs> at NEF who's new to the podcast and slightly nervous. Welcome, Hannah. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> how are you doing? Oh, I'm really great. <laughs> <laughs> good. So happy to have you both here. Okay, so before we get into our main topic of fracking, we'll do our usual headline segment and look back at some of the stories in the news recently that have caught your eye in a bit I like to call Yester Me, Yester You, Yesterday. Thank you. Still don't know what you're doing. <laughs> right, Dave, the thing, we'll talk about this afterwards. Okay. It's, a, it's a thing, people love it. You know, we had a lot of popular feedback. What's the evidence for people like it? I'm a fan. Thanks. See? See? There we go. <laughs> so, Hannah, you're up first. What's caught your eye in the news recently? Um, so, basically, Theresa May came out with this thing called a race disparity audit, which has been um, talked about for the best part of a year. They've been planning on doing it. And what that is, is the government bringing together all sorts of data about inequality based on ethnicity in the UK. Um, and they've put together a, a, an amazing website which brings all that data together, but none of it is particularly new. Mm. So as a like self-confessed data nerd, I love the, the website. It's really great to be able to go into it, but um, there's nothing new. And so people are kind of wondering what, what that's all about. And at the same time, another report came out from the Runnymede Trust in the Women's Budget Group, which says that BME women are the hardest hit by austerity. So it's kind of like contrasting the government doing this thing about racial inequality whilst also doing all these policies that are bad for it. Mm, interesting. Dave, what, what do you think our listeners should be paying attention to? Ooh, uh, well, we're going to talk about fracking, mm-hmm. if that's still the plan. We are, yes, right, that good. is the plan. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk just a bit of other stuff that's been going on in the world of energy, which has been catching my eyes. So do you remember four years ago when Ed Miliband, then leader of the Labour Party, proposed freezing energy bills? Who could forget well, right. It was it was this big sort of seismic thing that happened and everyone went, oh, either that's brilliant or you can't say that, depending on kind of what you thought about it. And he was accused of, you know, being some sort of terrible communist who's going to private, you know, come over and seize people's land and stuff. And anyway, four years later, the, the government has now announced legislation 
to cap everyone's energy bills. And I think it was a really interesting sort of little snapshot of how quickly things have changed. And also, uh, last week came out this thing called the Clean Growth Strategy, which is... Good. It was good. Yeah, yeah. Good thing it was. It had, like It's taken ages for them to do. But they brought it out, and it's basically the plan for like decarbonising the economy for the next... 20 or 30 years. And it's got loads of good stuff in it. And what, what's really good about it is the government have said, you know how like Donald Trump is going around trying to single-handedly scupper global climate ambition? Well, that's only making us more determined. We're going to do more of it. And we're going to put cutting carbon at the heart of our plans for industrial strategy and for the next 10 or 20 years of the economy. And Again, if you cast your mind back to how recently it was that the government, uh, George Osborne and David Cameron and those people, if you remember mm -hmm. them, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. were saying, talking about cutting the green crap and saying that mm. like uh, renewable energy is too expensive and we should go slow on it and all that. So it, things are changing really fast. And I thought it was, the, a whole flurry of stuff come out, a lot of which will then you know, be relevant to what we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, when we, when we wade into the green crap. Very excited about it. Uh, thanks, Dave and Hannah. More of a thing that Dave doesn't understand. Yes to me, yes to you, yes to Day next week. So, now for our big question. Will England ban fracking too? It's become one of the biggest environmental debates in Britain. Should we use fracking to get hold of the shale gas underneath parts of our country? Or should we leave it in the ground? The Scottish Government have just made their choice, deciding that fracking is not going to happen north of the border because it doesn't match up with their environmental commitments. The Welsh and Northern Irish governments have made similar decisions, at least until there's more information on the effects of fracking. But the UK Government wants to press ahead in England, saying the fracking industry will create jobs and make us less dependent on other countries for our energy. So, are the devolved assemblies right, or should we be listening to MPs in Westminster on this issue? To frack or not to frack? That is the question. First of all, we've got a jargon buster. We're going to start with Dave. So what's fracking, uh, in terms we can all understand, please? Um, and what are the current plans for fracking here in, in the UK? Right. Fracking. Isn't it a great word? I think if it was called something like cuddling or <laughs> kittens, mm -hmm. people wouldn't get as upset about it. Fracking. Hydraulic fracturing. Short tuned to fracking. That's <laughs> okay. what it is. And what you do is you are underneath the ground down there, like down mm -hmm. and then down some more, mm -hmm. are colossal amounts of gas. And it's gas that's trapped inside rocks. Uh, rocks, rocks called shale. And it's trapped inside shale. And what you do is, this technique has been developed quite a long time ago. It's not a particularly new technique. You just drill all the way down. Then you turn left or right and you go sideways. You have to attack it from the side due to the way the shale works. You bung in at exceptionally high pressure, loads of water and sand, which sort of forces open the fissures in the rock, and chemicals, which helps to get uh, accelerate the rock out. Um, and you get gas out. That's the idea anyway. It's known as fracking. It's, be, it's all over the place in the USA where they do absolutely loads of it. And so far, we don't do it here, at least at the time of recording. But um, we are on the verge probably of getting the first commercial fracking just about to start in uh, England. So we've never done, we haven't done it yet? Not done it at all? We've done a little bit of exploratory drilling, so just testing mm. it. And, and when we did, there were some, some minor earthquakes. So then we stopped for a while and uh, we had two, two years where we were not going to touch it. And now we're kind of getting back into it. 
I mean, that seems like a good idea <laughs> on the basis of that experiment. Okay, so Hannah, fracking um, has been back in the news um, because the Scottish government, as I mentioned, have announced that they're, they're going to be banning it. Uh, so does that really mean that there never will be fracking in Scotland ever? And why did they decide to do that? So, um, yeah, like you said, Scotland have been kind of weighing up the environmental arguments, also the economic arguments and, and having like quite a what seems like quite a grown up discussion about whether or not they should do it. Um, and they've also just had this big public consultation where they had 65,000 responses um, and 99% of people said they didn't want fracking in Scotland, wow. which is amazing. And so the energy minister has come out and said that we're not going to have fracking in Scotland. It doesn't. It's not a binding decision yet. There's going to be a vote on it in uh, after recess, so I think after October. But basically the SNP, Labour, the Lib Dems and the Greens are all now officially in favour of the ban. Um, so it looks like it's pretty much dead set to go through. Does that mean there'll never be fracking in Scotland? My only kind of concern is that Ineos, which is, you know, this big, giant fracking company, um, have invested so much money into fracking licences in Scotland that cover quite a big, like, amount of Scottish land. So I just can't see that they're going to go down without a fight. I think they'll probably mount some kind of legal challenge. But for the moment, yeah, fingers crossed, it's, it's looking good for Scotland. And it's worth just sort of saying just how controversial this is fracking mm. so for all sorts of reasons like water safety impact possibly on house prices impact on asthma just the idea of loads of trucks turning up where you live and depositing a huge rig and getting climate changing gas out of it fracking is just phenomenally unpopular hannah mentioned 99 percent of the responses to the consultation in scotland said we don't want it only 16 percent. this is the uk government's own survey only 16 percent of people say they support fracking the Scottish minister said we're not doing it. There's no, quote, social license for it. It's pretty hard to see how there's a social license for it anywhere, actually. I mean, it's a deeply unpopular thing. Mm. So as you say, when you describe it, it's kind of like these big trucks rolling up mm. and drilling into the floor and things like that. And are people's fears more about the kind of image of it or is the kind of real hard facts to underpin why, why people wouldn't want it? Well, I think there is something about the image of it. And there are places in the UK where um, companies have license to, to frack like 300 metres from people's gardens from their windows. Mm. So I think that is part of it. But then there's also just like the number of lorries, the amount of traffic, the kind of disturbance that it will cause to the local area. And then obviously the impact on kind of local industries like tourism. Mm. Um, I've spent quite a lot of time in, in Lancashire in July. And the people that I was speaking to there were just really concerned about the impact on tourism. Mm. It's right by Blackpool. Okay. So the, the Welsh and Northern Irish assemblies, they've also got uh, effective bans on fracking at the moment. Um, but as we've just discussed, the UK government doesn't. So that means it can go ahead in England. So why are the UK government so supportive of fracking? This is one of those things that it is also changing as well. So uh, the USA about... When was it, Hannah? It's the best part of 10 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Started to really go for fracking for oil, which you can also do. Same principle, but you get oil out and not gas. And gas as well. And because the USA is basically empty, because like no one lives there, and because its regulatory regime was pretty much written by uh, the big oil and gas companies over there, and because, like, because things are just different, it massively took off. Massively, mm. massively took off. And you, to the extent that people everywhere else started to look at that and go, 
was interesting. Maybe we can have a bit of that as well. And that was the main argument that was given by the UK government five, six, seven years ago when they started to really push shale gas was, well, we can, look, we can do that as well. You know, the surveys show that there is at least in principle a large amount of gas um, under the UK. Uh, enough, they say, you know, that only a little bit of it would power the UK for ages and ages and ages. And so it was principally sort of shown as being a sort of economic security, energy security kind of thing. We'll get all this stuff out and it will be fine. The difference is that we're not America. Like the UK, as anyone knows, is not spectacularly empty. Um, and large places where most of the shale deposits are, even if we can get them out, which we don't know. I mean, most of it has actually not been properly explored for. But even if we could get it out, people live on top of it. And the, the extent to which this has become, you know, just from a climate change point of view, a sort of real lightning rod for the UK climate change movement and all the people protesting against it, and also for people who just don't want their places where they live to be subjected to industrial processes and faceless companies coming in and disrupting where they live and, and taking something from them and then going away, which is basically what it would be. The UK government, I think, have just really bitten off more they can chew, and they are trying so hard to get it through. So uh, they've told councils they have to have it, basically. Up in Lancashire, the local councils decided they didn't want it, the community secretary said, no, you've got to have it. And so basically overturned it. So it's an affront to local democracy now, as well as bad for climate change, as well as bad for people's places. Mm. Just a note for listeners, we, we are aware that people do live in the USA. <laughs> that was a hyperbolic comment on population density disparity, wasn't it, Dave? It was a hyperbolic, what did you say? It was one of those. Anyway, it was one yeah. of those. People do live there, but, but, but it's, it is spectacularly empty, is the point. Yeah. In the scheme of like, you know, if you look at, look at uh, the, the pictures you can see look, look terrifying. You look at places like Wyoming, where fracking mm. is done on a huge scale. And it's just like the camera zooms out and zooms out some more and zooms out some more from that. And you've got these big empty spaces that are just covered mm. in rigs. You can't do that in the UK. Um, and do you remember the, uh, the energy minister suggesting that uh, probably shouldn't go and frack the south of England because loads of people live there. Go yeah. and frack the desolate, desolate north, north, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that does lead me into my next question, which is which is about, is there, is there something here about, uh, are you more likely to be in an area with high fracking? Does that interact with other things like uh, economic situation, race, you know, community, like those kind of things? Or is it kind of completely widespread? I mean, they do seem to mainly be focusing on on the north at the moment, and there there are fracking licenses granted in the south. But I think I think the race is on for for the desolate north. Mm. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I just genuinely want to know. I'm northern. <laughs> I want to know. What <laughs> I think. Well, what's trying to happen is that yeah, huge amounts of the country has been has been licensed. At least in principle, I've heard the idea of a thing called the Gatwick Gusher. Right. So at least in principle, it's possible to frack under London if you want it. But like you can just kind of imagine what would happen if you tried to do that. So no one's quite, you know, but it is in the interest of companies to go and frack where fewer people live and where there is more of a case to be made mm. for, say, things about jobs and that sort of thing than to try and go to very controversial places. You mentioned, Dave, jobs. The government uh, says that the fracking industry could create a lot of them uh, and in places where they're needed. So Hannah, would that boost the economy? I mean, I, to I totally get the, you know, the point that the idea of jobs in places where they're needed is like, obviously, that's that's a good mm -hmm. thing. And, and there are places that I've been to where people are, you know, desperate for jobs. And in Lancashire, when I was there, 
I spoke to people and actually that wasn't the main thing. People don't really buy the jobs argument that INEOS are kind of pumping out and they're actually more concerned about the impact that fracking will have on already existing industries, so farming and tourism are the main ones there. Um, and they just don't quite buy that fracking is going to be able to kind of boost the local economy in the same way that those things already do. Mm. Well, we've seen sort of a, a history of kind of heroic, heroic overstatement from the shale gas industry in the same way as any industry trying to do anything will always you know, look at sort of expanding Heathrow or something. They'll always talk about very large figures of possible jobs that would result. Um, again, based on the assumption that you just take what's happening in the US and map it over here, which is not very likely. If there are jobs, they're generally not as many as are claimed, you know, maybe a few hundred in building the thing, but they're short-term jobs. They go away. They don't deal with like structural unemployment problems mm. in parts of the country that have got it. They probably, if you've got a beer factory or a beer factory brewery um, or, a, <laughs> or, a, or a farm or something like that, they might have as much <laughs> impact on tourism, on other jobs as they do on anything else. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, there are plenty of things we could be doing from an energy point of view to get jobs that are much smarter, like insulating homes so we don't need to use as much gas, like building renewable energy, like starting to build wind turbines on shore again and, and things like that. So really, it's, it's, it's understandable why if you were an industry trying to get something going that people didn't like, you dangle the carrot of jobs in front of them. Mm, mm. But it's, you know, there are plenty of other ways to get jobs and it's just not an answer to the jobs that people need around the country. Mm. And on, on the economics of it, I'm, I'm not sure about England, but I know that Scotland, they've just, in part of their um, like deliberations about fracking, they looked at a KPMG report that said um, that, that fracking would only bring, I think it was like 0.1% to GDP. Mm. And they just thought it's not enough, it's not worth it. Okay, so th these all sound uh, like great alternatives, but if we don't frack our own shale gas, won't we just have to import it from Norway or Russia or something to heat our houses and light our stoves? Isn't it better that we use our own? Won't it bring down our bills, Dave? <sighs> so, no. Um, <laughs> next question. No, right. <laughs> we, haven't looked, we haven't really talked about climate change much so far, so let's we just sort do. of, let, let's chuck that in just so it's, just so it's there. Uh, we know that, the scale of what we have to do on climate change globally means we've got to leave up to about 80% of all the gas that we already know where it is, the gas that people have already got permission. We've got to leave most of that in the ground as it is already, right? So the implication of that is not, oh, how do we continue using the same amount of gas that we use now and that horrible Mr. Putin might have it and maybe we can get our own. That's the wrong question. The question we've got to ask is, how do we start using much less gas, full stop? Because we have to, for climate reasons. Mm. Um, that's the way to bring your bills down. Now, really interestingly, I mentioned earlier on, the government brought out this clean growth strategy, um, which has within it, you know, some real, really good changes of tone, basically going, yeah, we know we've got to start heating our homes and things, but by means other than gas, and we've got to do it sharpish. You know, and they're trialing things like rolling out things called heat pumps, where you suck in hot air from outside and heat your home, and using biogas to heat the grid, and trying all these other different ways of doing it. So it's really asking the wrong question. The cheapest power station is always the one you don't have to build by insulating mm. your home properly, insulating our businesses properly. A third of all of the emissions in the UK is caused by heating stuff, heating buildings, heating premises. We've got to sort that out. If we sorted that out, then we'd find the question of where does the gas come from secondary to do we even need as much of it in the first place. And on, on the point about security, um, like energy security, the government have just released a, a, another report saying that shale gas isn't actually critical for energy security. So there's that. So there is that. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess the final question, are we going to see a fracking ban in England next? 
basically, all of, I think all of this adds up to, you know, Scotland and Wales, that's giving me a huge amount of hope that they're saying not, not on our land. The clean growth strategy that Dave keeps enunciating so well um, <laughs> hardly mentions fracking, which is really interesting because the Tory manifesto mentioned it quite a lot. So it's like, are they shifting away from it? Are they kind of talking about it less publicly? Like, I've, you know, I think that's uh, hope that makes me hopeful. And like Dave said, public attitudes are an all time low. And it has been every time they've done that survey, which I think is quarterly at the moment. Um, and there's just like increasing community resistance. We're seeing it a lot in the news at the moment because of Scotland's ban. But all year and for the last five years, there have been local communities at the front line of, of fracking where there are plans to, to frack on their land who are resisting it. And they're taking legal challenges to the courts. They're slow walking lorries where they walk so slowly in front of a lorry that it just costs the fracking companies so much money. Because mm. So it is having a really big effect. And, and in Lancashire, a lot of the companies along the supply chain so like lorries that are delivering this stuff or or the cranes that they're pulling out because of public pressure mm. but these companies are massive and wield a lot of power Ineos for example have just put out this injunction against all protests at all of their site fracking sites which basically means that it's illegal for anyone to come in the way of their business which is totally mm. unprecedented to have one to have an injunction like that ahead of any protests mm. So I, I am hopeful, but I'm, I'm concerned about the kind of power that, that these companies have. Mm. I do think we'll get a bit of fracking. We're so close. Like it, it, some is going to happen somewhere, but less of it is going to happen than the government wants. And every single, when a story is told of climate change, when in 20 years time, they tell the story of what sort of energy system did we get anyway? Did we do it or did we not do it? What they're going to really tell the story of is this moment in time now when clean energy prices are tumbling so fast and there's been no fracking in the UK for six years and over that time the alternatives have just got much better and much cheaper and public opinion has hardened against it and so I, there's quite a high chance that like, okay that maybe there won't be a ban in England but the idea that it's going to take off anything like the level that the government wants I just think it's a bit fanciful it's just going to leave itself in the ground if some of the other things going on with the renewable costs continue I think. Okay, so cautious optimism is, is a much jollier tone than we usually strike here on the weekly econ pod. So great. Thanks so much, Hannah and Dave, for explaining all things fracking. Okay, so the last thing that I'm going to put you through is, uh, is a segment that we're calling How Do We Solve a Problem Like Gas? What's that about? Uh, gas, I think. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So I want to put a really tough question to both of you. You've both talked about renewable energy um, as an alternative source, but renewable energy produces electricity and lots of our heating and cooking appliances in the UK at the moment run on gas. So if we really do want to leave the gas in the ground, what should we be doing about that? This is really exciting stuff. I was just doing some looking on the internet before coming in here because I thought I'd <laughs> Doing some have, looking on I the did internet. did some looking on the internet. <laughs> did you know just how fast technology and energy is changing? Bet you didn't. Did not. Really fast. Nope. Right. So battery technology, two things are happening at the same time, which are kind of transformative and exciting and, so, and uh, you know, further undermine the case that we need huge amounts of gas from sources as yet unknown, which is 
battery technology, so up in Merseyside, uh, to where an offshore wind turbine farm comes on land, there's this huge, galumphing great battery pack thing has been put in. Don't know what you call it, but a great big one mm-hmm. anyway, um, which can now start storing the energy that's coming from offshore wind. And you're seeing them, there's more of those going to be going around around the country. So we're getting much, much better at storing energy, which is part of the part of the thing. There's plenty, you know, there's more plenty of uh, wind resource in the UK to meet our energy demand or at least get us a long way there. The challenge we've always had is what do we do when the wind's not blowing so much? What do we do when the sun's not shining and solar's not so great? And the second part of that is that in households and, and through electric cars as well, which are basically batteries on wheels. And the more we get at this, the more at the smaller scale we'll be able to store uh, the energy we generate in our homes through batteries in the ceiling, ceiling, floor, whatever the one in the bottom is. Yeah, the floor, floor. yeah. Um, and drive them around in our electric cars that we're driving everywhere. The point being that, this, that the entire way we think of energy is changing. We used to think of it as like a big system that you have big generating, powerful, galumphing things that are on all the time. And that's not how it's going to work anymore. We're much better at storing energy, at deploying it where we need it to be. Give it 10 years and stop trying to frack all over the blinking place and instead focus on innovation and clean stuff. We could something have something really, really transformative happening, which is just beginning to break through now, I think. Mm. And in between now and that transformation, do we need some kind of bridging thing, you know, some form of energy that we can that can see us through until we're in renewable paradise? Well, we got it. Oh, yeah. What is it? Well, so we we've got it in that we we need a bit of gas for now. Like Mm. we we do need some gas to fire the gas stations. We've also got other ways. You know, there are other ways of generating that baseload capacity, which is the thing that basically, you know, does that. But what we don't need, as we've talked about, we don't need huge amounts more of it. The climate can't take it. It's not the right way to think about an energy system. uh, And it's not the way the dynamics are going Anyway, so no one's talking about tomorrow, you go home and you put your mm. uh, gas hob on and nothing comes out and you come around and smack me in the face and tell me I've done something terrible. That's, yeah, I'm making a casserole. <laughs> right, that's not <laughs> what we're talking about. But we are talking about a radical disruption that's happening. And one of the greatest problems with fracking, perhaps the thing that's the saddest of all, is every shred of ministerial time and all of the you know overruling local communities and all of this stuff. All of it is attention that should be being put on where we need to go instead, the transition that we desperately need to see. All of these financial levers, you know, tax breaks for the shale gas industry. All of this, let's have all of that tilted at radically getting new things and new things that are close to where people live, you know, ways that we can just start generating our own energy, using it ourselves and not having to rely on great big companies that people don't like coming and taking stuff out of the ground and then going away. Hashtag radical tilting. I love it. H-Dog, take us home. What do I do now? I don't know. I think you, you, you say uh, what what we do if we leave ga- gas in the ground. No, I just, I think hear, hear, you know, <laughs> to all of the above. Mm, a strong hear, hear from Hannah Wheatley. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I've learned so much and I feel good. <laughs> all right. So thank you so much, Dave and Hannah, for joining me. This has been a stonker, a real stonker. Um, I think we're done. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do think about leaving us a rating or review in the Apple Podcast app. It only takes a minute, girl. And it really helps bump us up in the charts, which helps other people discover the show. Absolutely can't believe I've never done that before. Uh, what are your thoughts about the fracking debate? Tweet us at Weekly Econ Pod. The Weekly Economics Podcast is produced by James Shield and Hugh Jordan and brought to you by the New Economics Foundation. See you next week. Bye.